coffee and your Bible. February the 1st, Year of Our Lord 2023, and this is Daybreak Live with the Nesbits. All right, good morning, good morning. I'm glad you guys are getting signed in here. Let me jump over here, boom. Yes, good morning, good morning. Love you guys, thank you for being here. We're going to sing Unashamed Love. My wife shouted this out from the bedroom while I was getting prepared.
Thank you, Jesus. Man, that got me teared up. That's good. That's a good request, Mama. Wow. Well, when's the last time we sung that song? That surprised me. I remember the words. Somewhere back there. Wow. He's worthy of a childlike faith, honest praise, unashamed love. We are not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He saved me. And if you knew me before I was saved, that's a lot of saving right there, buddy. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Well, good morning, guys. It's good to see you on here, see your names on here at least. Let me hit this close button right here. We're glad, glad, glad that you are here. Now, Church Without Walls is a ministry of, I mean, Daybreak is a ministry of Church Without Walls. And I am going to be consolidating this back down to two places. So I want to encourage you, if you are enjoying Daybreak, to be sure to go on Facebook. If you're watching, if you like watching from Facebook, go on Facebook to Church Without Walls, Tennessee. C-Wow, C-W-O-W, and hit the follow page. And be sure that you update on hitting the follow page. And you guys that are watching on YouTube, I want to encourage you to be sure to go Church Without Walls, Tennessee on YouTube. And be sure that you're subscribed and following and you hit the notification for the bell uh, because after probably a week or maybe a little more, I'm going to announce this every day, then we will consolidate and be consolidating back down to a couple of places. Right now, we are blasted out all over the place, uh, but as I'm trying to learn what needs to be done, it, it needs to be easier to find it at one spot on Facebook, one spot on YouTube, I'm understanding. So... Uh, we're going to try to be uh, doing that, you know, and uh, in the future. So make sure you're signed up at those places. So I've asked for opinions on what book to do next. And, you know, Brother Larry Neal asked me to talk about my views on sanctification. Spent yesterday doing that, sanctification. Uh, talked about that yesterday. So I had basically three books, only three books requested or uh, shouted out to me. Now, one was the book of Acts. I actually think, and I'm asking for my my my, my kids' mama, my my wife's uh, memory here. I think the book of Acts was the first thing I did on daybreak, wasn't it? Uh, but maybe it's time to go through the book of Acts again. But since we've already done the book of Acts once, oh, let me get off this. Get off back over chat. Yeah, there's a whole lot of Bible to get through. Uh, then the book of Proverbs. At this moment, I don't feel extremely qualified for Proverbs, so I'm going to pray about that book. But in the meantime, my daughter Megan asked for Titus, yep. that we would go through Titus. And so while I'm praying about Proverbs and, you know, praying about these things, I figure I will go ahead, and we Titus is a short book, and so I thought we would go ahead and go through the book of Titus. So today... We begin Titus, opening your Bibles to Titus. It's a very small epistle. It's There's only three chapters. Uh, it comes after 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and then Titus. And so go there and we will begin. And I, let's go ahead and read it and then we'll back up. We'll read, uh, say, 
five verses, and then we will back up, and we'll start at the top. So it says, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior, to Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So let's stop there. And we'll back up and begin this again. So the book of Titus is written, and, and we know now, that he is in Crete. And uh, let's have this in the back of our mind as we begin going through and talking about each one. Now, Paul says, it's from Paul, a bondservant of God. He is literally saying, I am a slave to God. A bondservant, a slave to God. And an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, you may not realize this about the apostle Paul, so most of you probably know that Paul, his Hebrew name is Saul, and he persecuted the church of God. And he was very hard against the church of God, and he uh, had some authority, and he would bind up people and put them in prison. He would give his voice against them uh, when they were put to death. He was there at the stoning of Stephen which was the first, I believe, the first martyr of the church after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uh, was very hard against the church, and he went to strange cities, and he received authority from the chief priest, and he's going to go to Damascus to wreak havoc on the church. And on the way the Lord strikes him down. And Jesus appears to him, and Jesus calls him. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And he says to Saul, he says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus. Whom are you persecuting? Get up. And Paul basically says, what do you want from me? He says, get up, go into Damascus, and it's going to be told you what you need to do for me. And then Paul, Saul goes on into Damascus, and God gets a hold of another servant there. His name is Simeon, isn't he? Isn't it Simeon, I believe? Anyway, uh, if that name is wrong, I will correct it. But he, he tells him, he says, I want you to go to Paul, he can't see right now, and I want you to go lay your hands on him that he will see. No, it's, uh, it's not Simon. No, it's, it's no. Oh my 
anyway, he says, I want you to go lay your hands on him. And this ain't in my notes. I don't know. I, I'm sidetracked already. Huh? It's Cornelius, right? No. No. No, no. All right, wait. Just do it quietly. So anyway, while he's looking at him, I mean, he's told by the Lord, go lay your hands on him and pray for him that he might see. And then he says, Lord, I've heard of this guy. I mean, he's even, he was afraid of him. You know, I th you, could you imagine somebody's come to town looking for you? He's going to put you in jail? Yeah, Ananias. Ananias, thank you. Ananias is his name. Ananias, and he's like, Lord, I've heard of this guy. And I mean, he's, he's even come here to lock us up. And he says, go, he's a chosen vessel. I have chosen him. Now, something many people don't know, you okay? Yeah. Something many people don't know about the Apostle Paul, who is Saul, is he goes into Arabia for three years. This is something a lot of times gets missed. People just think, oh, he jumped from being Saul to Paul. But it's not exactly that way. He goes into Arabia for three years, and God speaks with him. Jesus speaks with him plainly. And, and Saul is called to be an apostle to the Gentile. So he is both a Hebrew and he is a Roman citizen. And so he is a perfect vessel that Jesus calls because he's got a citizenship, being a Roman citizen, he has a, an ability to travel all over the empire, the Roman empire of that time. And so he begins going by his name, Paul which would be not the Hebrew name, right? So it's in a lot of names are that way. And in, in, in other words, the name John is Yochanan. In Hebrew, it's John, right? So anyway, he considers himself a bond slave, but I wanted you to realize that he didn't just have a conversion, see Jesus, and then become an apostle. He said he claims his apostleship here, and there's no doubt he's an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, but he says a bond servant, in other words, he considers himself a slave and he spent three years with the Lord. What I wanted to say, he spent three years with the Lord like the other apostles. Does that make sense? He went into the desert, he went into Arabia and he spent three years with the Lord too, just in a different way. But he, he was called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Now, that's just a very, very awesome thing. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he has is an apostle with authority. Now, if you study out apostleship in the Bible and in the New Testament, you will find that more people are called apostles than just the 12. So generally, it's thought like this. There's the 12, and then there's other apostles. There is, that is, there's an apostolic ministry, especially when there's missionary work. The apostolic ministry seems to be one of crossing boundaries and establishing new churches in different places. It's kind of, it's an apostolic ministry that goes forth and establish new, new churches. And uh, he's an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth. So he considered himself a bondservant, a slave to the Lord. Then, verse 2, it says, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie. Now, why does he say who cannot lie? Well, one of the reasons we'll find even in this apostle, 
the Cretans, the, the, the people of Crete were liars. They were so much so liars that even the slang was, you know, if you just call it, you could call somebody a liar basically by saying, well, he's a Cretan. So they were known throughout the empire as being a, Crete is a wicked, we'll talk more about this later, but it's a wicked, a very wicked place where people lie. It's very sexually immoral there. And a lot of things are going on there. But I think that's why he says, God who cannot lie, God who is not a liar. He promised before time began, but has in due time manifested. So there's a promise. The promise is manifested to us. That manifestation of the promise is manifested through the Lord Jesus Christ. But he has in due time manifested his word through preaching. Now, this is awesome. Now, think about this. He's manifested his word through preaching. You know, sometimes today, we don't even think much about Street preachers. Let me just ask you, when I say the word street preacher, what comes into your mind? What do you think about that? Think about the guys in the movies with the billboards <laughs> screaming out, the end of the world is coming. <laughs> but doesn't the reality, and, and, and I may be wrong here, but I would say for the most of people, when I say the word street preacher, uh, I would say there's kind of a negative connotation in our mm -hmm. culture today of a street preacher. And you got to wonder why or where does it come from that it has a negative connotation. God has chose to manifest his word through preaching. Amen. And the preaching of the apostles, they, they, did, they, didn't, they wasn't invited to come preach at churches. You know, this is a whole different realm. Now, they, he would go and speak in synagogues for sure, especially the Jewish apostles, like the apostle Paul, who was both Jew and and a Roman citizen, he would go and visit the synagogues. But guys, they would go to the marketplaces and they would talk to people about Jesus. They would go to where the crowds are and they would talk to people about Jesus. Did Jesus do that? He actually did. <laughs> when you read about the Lord, you would find him getting in a boat and pushing out from the shore a little bit. Why did he do that? He did that so he could speak to the people on shore. Imagine this, going to a lake and there being a bunch of people gathered there and maybe there's a guy in a boat and he's pushed out from the, uh, from the banks just a little bit and he's standing in a boat and he's preaching to the people on the shore. Jesus did that. Jesus would go up on a hillside, right? And his disciples would come to him and people would gather on a hill you're talking about a yard, hillside. That's why if when you go to our, our uh, website, churchwithoutwallscytn.com, you'll see kind of a, I have a picture on there. In the background, there's a picture of Jesus and the disciples sitting in the grass, and he's teaching them. The reason I put that picture there is for people to remember that we've got to get outside the walls and talk to people. That's all. That doesn't mean don't talk to people in our church houses, but it means we got to get outside the wall. Matter of fact, this letter is written. When, when we're talking about setting these things in order, you've got to get in your mind. It's, it's not maybe how you would think when you think the church is in Crete. It's actually a series of house churches in the area. They're house churches. You know, they, they, they met in houses and in caves and in fields 
and in storefront buildings when they had areas where they could. And usually they would meet in the house of somebody in the congregation that was more affluent and more wealthy. Why? Well, they had a bigger house, right? It makes sense. They had a little bigger house. So most of the time, the early church, and if you have my book, The Great Preset, you know this, if you read my great, uh, The Great Preset, the first church building built for the purpose of worshiping the Lord wasn't built till almost 300 AD that was built for the purpose of worship. And a lot of people don't realize that. They don't even think like that, right? But I said all that just to say, God has manifested his word through preaching. And, and we kind of live in a time to where the culture says, hey, 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 y'all, don't y'all be talking out here. Y'all go into your houses and do that. Y'all go into the church houses and do that. Don't come out because, and, and I'm challenging you how you feel about somebody when you're driving down the road and you see a, a guy, maybe he's open air preaching, we call it. You have a good feeling about it? You like, are you like, hey, yeah, praise the Lord. Preach Jesus, brother. Preach Jesus. Or do you think, oh, he's a weirdo. <laughs> what? Usually that's Usually. Yeah. Usually that's what people think. And we do live in a different time. It is it is kind of hard now because now everybody has they're in vehicles with windows rolled up, air conditioners on. So even in street preaching, you're gonna to have to have a megaphone or something, yeah. ain't you? Yeah. But just to God has manifested. I just want to say God has manifested his word through preaching. We need to preach the word. That preaching is speaking it out, speaking it out. And then God, for some reason, through the foolishness, Paul calls it in another place, the foolishness of preaching. God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching. So that's kind of foolishness. Well, Paul said that too. But God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save people who believe. That's just amazing which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. It was this, this task of preaching was committed to me. It brings us to verse 4. To Titus, a true son in our common faith. What does that mean? When, when someone was converted under Paul, he considered them, it was like his children. And so Titus was converted under Paul's preaching. And Titus really jumped into this, I mean, from the very beginning, he became a follower and a traveling companion of Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Let me look at the time. Okay, I'm already over. So we'll take up from there in the morning. So we'll talk more about Titus. Who is Titus? But Titus is one of the early converts of, of Paul, and, and we'll find out, we'll talk a lot about who Titus is tomorrow and uh, some awesome things about Titus that really helps because Titus is a Gentile believer. He becomes a Gentile leader. And the book of Titus is what we call a pastoral epistle. It is a leadership book. And uh, so we're going to find out more about the epistle, more about Titus, and we'll go forward tomorrow. I kind of sidetracked a little, but I think that was okay. I, I feel like if God sidetracks me, it's a good thing. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Questions, comments, 
uh, questions. If you have questions as we're going through these books, I'm not saying that I necessarily can answer them, but y'all got Brother Charles here with me, and we can search out answers for you. Yep. Yeah, the, the reason they built that first church when they did was because the number of members got so great they couldn't meet all in one there you go. person's home, so they built a building right. so that they could all meet together. Amen, amen, amen. The context is everything. When we're reading the Bible, especially in the New Testament, we want to keep that context in our mind because a lot of times what we do is we superimpose our culture that we're living in and how what church is like here in America maybe or wherever you're listening from and we kind of superimpose it onto the scripture and that's not a good way of studying scripture with scripture what we want to do is say what was it like in that culture and when Paul is writing to Titus what 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 was leadership like what was the church looking like what's going on that he needs to say you you go set things in order there because the you know I'm sending you to Crete. You've got to set stuff in order there. Why did he need to do that? These are things that we will cover. All right, thanks for being here, guys. And we will uh, close out with the Lord's Prayer. I want to ask for prayer uh, for the Fisher family today. My stepfather, my stepfather's brother passed away Sunday, uh, Uncle Howard. And uh, his funeral is today. And so if you could just remember in your prayers, the Fisher family, actually you could join with me and we're going to lift up prayer. His funeral is today. So Father, right now we lift up our Pa, we lift up Aunt Nancy. Uh, Lord, we lift up the family, Howard's wife. Uh, Lord, we ask you to help them and bless them and be with them, draw close to them in the time of loss. Lord, uh, death is not easy. It's not easy. Even though you've given us the gospel and even though we believe on you and we know there's life after death, still, Lord, it hurts when we lose our loved ones. So, Father, I pray. I pray for the entire family that you will just send comfort through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, bless the preachers that are bringing the word at the funeral today. And uh, may comfort abound in the name of Jesus. All right, let's say the Lord's Prayer, saints. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, saints. Love you. See you tomorrow. Bye.